It's Philosophy Talk. Ten months ago, our leader suffered a horrible accident. Could an education that focuses on good character create virtuous leaders? The emergency department rushed to the scene of the accident immediately, but all that remained of him was this. This is our leader's nose. Could we educate our leaders to have better character? Good luck with that. Most politicians these days are power-hungry, corrupt, and out of touch. So let's train them to be less selfish. You think good character is something that can be taught? You have a better idea? Our dream has been that by cloning, we would reproduce our leader in perfect tact from his nose. Nobody's looking for a saint or for somebody who is absolutely perfect. Our guest is Massimo Piliucci, author of The Quest for Character. The unity of virtues is not an empirical matter, it's an aspirational matter. How to create virtuous leaders. Coming up on Philosophy Talk. Do good leaders have to be good people? What qualities should we expect in our politicians? How can we build character in our next generation of leaders? Welcome to Philosophy Talk, the program that questions everything. Except your intelligence. I'm Josh Land. And I'm Ray Briggs. We're coming to you from the studios of KLW San Francisco Bay Area. Continuing conversations that begin at Philosopher's Corner on the Stanford campus, where Ray teaches philosophy, and I direct the Philosophy and Literature Initiative. Today, we're thinking about how to create virtuous leaders. That's a great idea, Ray. We, we sure could use some leaders who tell the truth, accept basic science, and, you know, do their jobs instead of lining their pockets. Yeah, you know, I agree we need all of those things. But do we really need our leaders to be good people on top of that? Like, I don't care if they cheat on their partners or go on shopping sprees with their own money or, or party hard on the weekends, as long as they just do their jobs. Asking them to be virtuous in addition, that's kind of a high bar, isn't it? I don't know. Would you trust someone who's dishonest and corrupt in their private life to behave any differently when they have access to huge amounts of public money? They, okay, look, they don't have to be saints, but I think they should at least be decent human beings. Is that really too much to ask? Uh, okay, fine. There's a minimum bar, sure, but there really have been amazing leaders with serious flaws. Like, people say that Martin Luther King cheated on his wife. But, you know, even if that's true, it doesn't take away anything from his leadership in the civil rights movement. And, you know, you can be a nice person, but a lousy leader, too. Al Gore really cared about the environment, but he was so dorky and awkward that he couldn't get enough votes to actually get elected. Well, maybe there are some exceptions to the rule, but I still think, in general, you have to be a good person to be a good politician. Yeah, I don't think that's true at all, Josh. A, a good politician needs confidence verging on arrogance and, and strategic truth-telling verging on dishonesty and decisiveness to the point of being tyrannical and the kind of charisma that can just easily lead into narcissism. Well, look, okay, maybe those are the kinds of people who get elected, but the leaders we actually need... They're the people who don't campaign for power, like like T'Challa in the movie Black Panther. He didn't really want to lead the world outside Wakanda, but you know, he was a good person, and he, he rose to the occasion when he saw that the world needed help. Uh, we're talking about real people, Josh, not comic book superheroes. Well, okay, but philosophers back me up too, Ray. I mean, think about Plato's Republic. In, in Plato's Republic, Socrates says the best leaders— they're not the ones who are motivated by an interest in power. They're the ones who are motivated by a sense of duty. Yeah. How did that work out for Plato, Josh? You know, he tried to train King Dionysius, the elder of Syracuse, and that guy sold him into slavery. 
And then after his friend's freedom, he came back and he tried to train King Dionysius the Younger, and, and he taught little Dionysius all about virtue and philosophy, but it did absolutely no good. That kid betrayed his uncle, mismanaged his kingdom, and ended up getting exiled by his own people. That's not Plato's fault. He did his best. And no teacher in the world could have turned little Dionysius into a decent ruler. He just wasn't cut out for it. As Immanuel Kant would say, out of such crooked timber, nothing straight can be made. Okay, what's the good of education if it's not going to make people better, though? Even if it's not harmful, it seems like trying to teach people to be virtuous is kind of pointless. I don't think we should give up too soon. I mean, you look at you. You're teaching our future leaders all about virtue and responsibility. Why would you do that if it didn't make any sense? <laughs> okay, I'm not training them as future leaders. I'm training them as citizens. If some of those citizens gain political power, I really hope it'll have done them some good, but I'm not really sure how much I can expect. Well, maybe our guest will per persuade you to be a little more optimistic. It's our old friend Massimo Pellucci from the City University of New York. And he's got a new book called The Quest for Character, which is all about leaders and virtue. But first, we sent our roving philosophical reporter, Holly J. McDeed, to find out how leaders from conquering kings to President Jimmy Carter have cultivated their images as virtuous people. She files this report. It's very easy to get a list of uh, rulers who are villainous or greedy or whatever. Sean Lang is a lecturer at Anglia Ruskin University, and he compiled a list of rulers who were bad leaders, but pleasant people. You know, solid dinner companions. I order you to be quiet! His roundup of eight of the nicest kings in history includes King Louis XVI of France, who was sent to the guillotine during the French Revolution. I'm not saying that niceness leads to your being executed, but it begins to look that way when you're the ruler. Lang says Louis XVI took his duty as king very seriously, but he also wanted to be loved by everyone. During his rule in the second half of the 18th century, France faced an economic crisis and people were starving. A string of finance ministers told him to tax the nobles and the church. And when the nobles say, don't you dare tax us, what does the king do? Does he sort of say, no, I stand by my minister? He says, oh, well, no, quite right. I don't want to cause any trouble. And so he sacks the minister. The king's eventual fate is shown on the TV show Family Guy. Look, uh, Louis, the French people really want to thank you for your services as king, but uh, it's just not working out and we've decided to go another way. Other people on Lang's list? Nicholas II of Russia. If you're thinking, is he the one who gets overthrown in the revolution? Yep, he was. And Charles I of England. Was he the one who got overthrown in the Civil War? Yes, he was. So that's kings and czars for you. Next up, U.S. presidents, or one U.S. president in particular. Honestly, I'd never really heard that much about Jimmy Carter, other than perhaps the fact that he was becoming a great ex-president. Amber Rosner is author of the book Jimmy Carter and the Birth of the Marathon Media Campaign. If you ask people who was the nicest U.S. president, they may well answer Jimmy Carter. Rosner says when Carter ran for president in 1976, his campaign team crafted his image. In particular, a peanut farmer turned nuclear physicist um, that promised to never tell a lie and to deliver a government as good as the American people. Jimmy Carter knows what it's like to work for a living. Until he became governor, he put in 12 hours a day in his shirt sleeves during harvest at his farm. Can you imagine any of the other candidates for president working in the hot August sun? 
Carter ran during a credibility crisis in American politics in the wake of Vietnam and Watergate. He appeared in carefully staged events. Some of the central backdrops to the campaign were Plains Baptist Church, where Carter taught the men's Sunday school class. And also, they spent a lot of time at the local softball field there, actively playing games with the press, um, and then also at fishing ponds. But maintaining a virtuous image is tricky. In a 1976 interview with Playboy magazine, Carter famously described lusting for women and said he committed adultery in his heart many times. Some scholars and um, cultural observers of that campaign would say almost lost Carter the election. But it didn't. Carter won. By 1979, though, the country was experiencing high unemployment, inflation, and an energy crisis. It's clear that the true problems of our nation are much deeper, deeper than gasoline lines or energy shortages, deeper even than inflation or recession. That year, the Soviet Union invaded Afghanistan, U.S. diplomats and citizens were taken hostage in Iran, and there was the incident with the killer rabbit. Jimmy Carter was in a boat, fishing in Plains, Georgia when he said a rabbit leapt in the water and swam towards him. This incident is mocked on Saturday Night Live in a scene where he meets with Fidel Castro. I can see being attacked by a dog, or a fox, or a hedgehog. A chicken can become quite angry, even a wild pig. But a rabbit, that's crazy. Carter's staff didn't buy this story, and that went against his image as an honest president. But photos show it really did happen. This is a moment in which the film Jaws um, had just premiered. And so one of the most famous images is of Paws. Um, so this rabbit that's attacking Carter. Um, and it became kind of a larger metaphor for Carter's failed presidency. I haven't met Jimmy Carter, but he seems genuinely virtuous. He's done a lot of good things for the planet and mankind since his presidency, like set up the Carter Center to eradicate disease, promote free and fair elections across the globe. He's given back to the public through Habitat for Humanity. Really kind of practicing what he preaches. And you don't really see that a lot, certainly not in American politics. Jimmy Carter, look, he was a nice man. He was a terrible president. But maybe we can try to have both. For Philosophy Talk, I'm Holly J. McDeed. Want to hear more? You can find the complete episode on iTunes Music. Or for unlimited listening, become a subscriber at philosophytalk.org.